0: Welcome to the Financial Times Big Read, a weekly podcast featuring the best of our long-form reporting from around the world. I'm Anna Dedder from the Comment and Analysis Desk. The failure of Europe to bounce back from the Euro crisis and the influx of refugees have seen mainstream political parties across the continent besieged. Now, say Peter Spiegel and Richard Milne, populist movements are watching as Euroscepticism becomes established in the dialogue of Britain's biggest political parties. And fears are growing among EU leaders of contagion if the country votes for Brexit. Could Europe's great post-war project fall apart? This report is narrated by Peter, Brussels bureau chief. Every week, the Danish People's Party, a right-wing populist fringe movement that last year vaulted to second place in national elections on the strength of its anti-EU policies, holds a meeting in Copenhagen to plot long-term political strategy. Traditionally a session dedicated to furthering the party's anti-immigration and law and order platform, in recent months, a new topic has risen to the top of the agenda, how to exploit Britain's upcoming referendum on EU membership. Peter Skarup, the party's parliamentary leader, told us, We have been looking very much at what is going on and preparing for this outcome. Those preparations involve more than just weekly planning meetings, however. In recent years, top officials from the party's leadership have made annual spring pilgrimages to Britain to study how your skepticism became part of the mainstream dialogue in both of the country's largest political parties. Many of those lessons have now become internalized. Much like David Cameron, the British Prime Minister who this week officially advocated staying into the EU after renegotiating his country's relationship with Brussels, Danish People Party leaders now talk openly about their own renegotiation with Brussels. Morton Messerschmidt, who swept into the European Parliament after the party topped all others in Denmark's 2014 EU elections with 26.6% of the vote, says, We are not withdrawalists as a party, but we want to have a new deal with the EU. We are happy that a big country such as Britain is talking about taking back sovereignty and is willing to make the final sacrifice. A trading nation with strong transatlantic ties, Denmark is seen as one of the countries most vulnerable to contagion if Britain were to vote in June to leave the EU. In many ways, it is the most British of continental Europeans when it comes to Brussels, delaying its EU membership until the UK became a member in 1973, and remaining the only other country with an opt out of the EU's requirement to join the Euro. But Denmark is hardly alone in harboring political movements suddenly contemplating the British example. The continued failure of most of Europe to pull out of its post Euro crisis economic funk, coupled with the largest influx of refugees in more than a generation, has already left mainstream parties across the continent under siege. Some fear a British exit would put many of these countries over the edge, sparking calls for copycat referenda that could begin to unravel the great post-war European project. Although EU leaders believe Scandinavia and the Visegrad Four countries of Central Europe, Poland, Hungary, Slovakia, and the Czech Republic, would be likely to feel the most immediate political contagion from a British exit because of a long-standing anti-EU sentiment in those blocs, Leading voices from across core Europe have suddenly lent their support for British-like ventures of their own. In the Netherlands, a founding member of both the EU and the Euro, populist Gert Wilders, whose far-right Freedom Party has held a commanding lead in national polls for months, recently said a British exit would make it easier for his country to leave the EU as well, something he promised to do should he become prime minister. In France, another member of the EU's founding six, the far-right National Front, which, like Mr. Wilders, is leading in national polls, has promised a British-style in-out referendum within six months of coming to power. Florian Filippo, a National Front vice president, says, Until now, the EU has only enlarged itself. Brexit would prove the EU is not an inevitable plan. Soon people would also realize that the UK lives well without being part of the EU, that there would be no economic collapse, no chaos. The noise has begun to spread so widely that Donald Tusk, president of the European Council of National Leaders, confessed this month he was, quote, really afraid Britain's referendum would prove, quote, a very attractive model for some politicians in Europe to achieve some internal, very egotistic goals. Indeed, in an interview with José Manuel Barroso, the former European Commission president who oversaw a near doubling of the EU during his 10-year tenure, warned Brexit could lead to an EU détricoté, or unraveling, like the prototypical single thread pulled from a sweater that causes it all to come apart. Though the recent Euro and refugee crises have spurred an anti-EU backlash, they have also produced an EU that is more integrated than ever before. Agreements were forged on a wide range of new common institutions to shore up its common currency and protect its borders. But that integration is no longer just institutional. The crises have also created a Europe electorate, far more cognizant of actions taken outside their own country. Finnish voters were acutely aware that their tax money was bailing up Portugal, in the midst of their 2011 national elections, for example, just as Germans are now following the refugee flows in Greece on a daily basis. Aided by social media, that newfound interconnectedness has meant political trends and fads now hop borders with frightening speed. The very idea of national referenda has already proven itself a case in point. In an EU context, plebiscites were once limited to major constitutional issues, like treaty changes. Now they are legion. In the 12 months preceding Mr. Cameron's June 23rd referendum, Denmark will have held one on whether to join joint EU policing and home affairs issues, Greece will have held one on the terms of a third Eurozone bailout, and the Netherlands will hold one on whether to approve an EU trade deal with Ukraine. Although Poland, Hungary, and Slovakia have recently become something of an awkward squad on a wide range of EU issues, many of the Union's leaders believe an aping of the British examples in the East is unlikely. All still get billions in development funds from Brussels. And being part of the European club remains a strong motivating factor for countries so recently freed from Soviet imperialism. According to Gordon Bajnai, a former center left prime minister of Hungary, quote, these funds are used locally to stabilize the political power system. Losing the EU funds would be a disaster for any regime that is trying to perpetuate itself, as they do in Hungary and some other Central and Eastern European countries. But Scandinavia could prove more problematic. Carl Bildt, a former Swedish prime minister, Says a protracted divorce negotiation would likely throw out an endless number of British backed ideas for recreating a separate northern trading bloc akin to the system that existed before the UK or the Nordics joined the EU, something that could become attractive to Denmark or Sweden. Mr. Bilt says, quote, In theory, you could see Europe splitting along the lines of what was there in the late 1950s. I don't think that would happen, but you might have tendencies in that direction. A further unraveling once Britain left is hardly inevitable. Mr. Barroso suggests that a Franco-German-led group of core countries would probably announce an immediate new initiative for deeper integration as a way to signal to the rest of the world and to wavering EU countries that Britain was an outlier and those remaining were committed to pulling together at an even faster pace. A similar strategy was quietly discussed by senior leaders during last year's Greek crisis as a way to fend off market vigilantism in the wake of a possible Grexit. But Mr. Bilt notes that rising anti-immigrant sentiment in France Germany, and the Netherlands, means the, quote, core Europe is not as stable as it used to be in the old days. A view shared by some in the core itself. Hubert Védrine, a former French foreign minister, says, quote, I am a firm believer in the EU, but I think that the elite's traditional sermons no longer work. They even infuriate people and are counterproductive. Mr. Barroso says he cannot rule out the chance of both things happening simultaneously some moving towards closer integration, while a handful of threads on the periphery get pulled out of the sweater entirely. He says, The leaders of the core countries may be willing to show to the world, we are going ahead. Indeed, we are going to reinforce our steps. Without Britain, now we can do more, so let's go for that. At the same time, there will be populist xenophobic movements that will say we should have a referendum in our own country. Like many northern EU countries, Denmark's choice within Europe has long been what Nikolai Vaman, a former defense minister, terms, taking the boat to England or the bridge to Germany. In the immediate post-war years, picking between the two emerging EU powers seemed no choice at all. Britain was not only the war's victor, but in the ensuing decades would seen as a counterweight to the growing West German economic power on the continent. In 1963, Copenhagen was given the chance to join the EU without the UK, but decided to wait for London. But as Britain has gradually disengaged from Europe and Germany's economic and increasing foreign policy might came to dominate inside the EU... Copenhagen has chosen to forge closer ties with Berlin, not least because of the country's overwhelming economic importance for Denmark. Much of Europe has remained uneasy with Germany's mounting power, however, and that resentment has manifested itself inside Denmark during the refugee crisis, where many blame Chancellor Angela Merkel for exacerbating the influx by inviting migrants into Europe. Vike Fries, deputy rector of the University of Copenhagen and a former government minister, said, It's far more toxic now to say you support Merkel Over Cameron. Most officials in Copenhagen expect a vote in favor of a Brexit would lead the Danish government to commit itself decisively to the EU, particularly if, as Mr. Barroso expects, a German led core Europe attempts to redouble integration efforts. The bigger question is whether the public would do the same. Recent history paints a cautionary tale. Last year, the country held a long promised referendum on joining some of the EU's common legal and policing policies on a case by case basis, something the UK does already. Despite all the country's established parties, including the current governing liberals and its predecessor, Social Democrats, firmly backing opt-in for those policies, the Euroskeptics won the day, 53-47. Mr. Vammen says, quote, The Danish experience is very clear that you can have a referendum where a huge majority in the parliament advocates yes and the Danes say no. Christian Jensen, the Danish foreign minister, says convincing voters to keep on the pro-EU path would be even harder without Britain inside the club particularly since many Danes see the UK as a critical ally on free trade and common market issues, as well as some of the restrictions on welfare payments to migrant workers Mr. Cameron was able to win as part of his renegotiation. Mr. Jensen says, quote, It's important for us to have allies outside the eurozone. It will be more difficult for a country like Denmark if it doesn't have an ally like Britain. He points to countries such as Poland or Italy as wanting to pull the EU in a different direction if the UK were to leave. For the Danish People's Party... That would present a historic opportunity, but also a significant risk. Mr. Scarup admits that while a new bloc of UK, Norway, and Switzerland outside the EU could present an interesting alternative to Danish voters, Brexit would leave Denmark without its natural partner within the EU. He adds, "We would like to take advantage of both positions." Mr. Messerschmidt sees a British exit in more apocalyptic terms saying it follows naturally in the wake of other EU crises that have revealed the weak, splintering European edifice. He says, quote, The cornerstones of Europe, the Euro, Schengen, EU institutions, are breaking up. If the politicians of the EU don't begin to listen to the population, maybe the whole thing will break up. That may not have been Mr. Cameron's intention when he first promised Britain's a choice on whether to remain in the EU three years ago. But it may turn out to be his legacy.